Well, we discussed Kelvin Kiptum yesterday, didn't we? The tragic story of a life snatched from us far, far too soon. Kelvin, the marathon world record holder, was killed in a car crash in his native Kenya on Sunday at the age of just 24. And it was a world record achieved in Chicago in just his third marathon. Two hours, 35 seconds in a feat of athletic insanity. And of the seven fastest marathons of all time, Kelvin actually owned three of them already at the time of his death. What has the athletics world lost? What could Kelvin Kipnam have gone on to become? Dave Colbert, I wish we could have had you on in better circumstances, but uh, good morning to you. Uh, good morning, Sam. Yeah, tragedy, really. Um, and, and tragic when you consider that he never raced at a major championship. And I think that's well, it's, it's a tragedy full stop. So, you know, let's put the, the, the athletics career mm. aside when you're 24 years of age and you lose your life. And, um, father of two young children, it's uh, it's a tragedy, you know, no matter what circumstances you're in. But um, you know, Kelvin Kipton never raced in a in a championship, so he, he never really put the Kenyan vest on, and he had the incredible uh, marathon credentials. But the the clash between Kipchoge and Kipton, you know, potentially in Paris was, I think, something that you know the entire sporting world was looking forward to Kipchoge elevated the marathon into something completely different with his his work in that um you know the the race to break 2 hours which he did in in um orchestrated circumstances but he still did it um the super shoes have have made a huge difference and people are interested you know there's so many people running and they can they can assimilate. They can understand what's going on with yeah. the men and women in the marathon. So not to be able to see that at the Olympics is is you know really sad. Just when you see him running, what was it, two twenty five minute k's? I think for the first half of that that marathon in Chicago, you just think the weekend warriors are just fainting at those splits. Oh, well, and everyone's seen those um, you know, YouTube videos of um, punters trying to keep up, you know, for <laughs> yeah. for four hundred meters to try and run as fast as these guys do. It's it's outrageous. So, no, it's you know he's he was he was revolutionising what was happening in the marathon. Mm. His kilometre training was off the charts, nearly three hundred k a week. His splits were were ridiculous, um, and you know not to be able to see him. Um, compete for an Olympic medal is is really sad. So help us out with this, Dave. What what would we consider a distance runner, like a marathon runner's prime age? Like, I'm not sure what it is, but I, I know it was a long way into the future for Kelvin, wasn't it? Like, he was a marathon baby almost. Um, potentially. When you're doing that many Ks, you might be a bit like a sparkler. So you'll burn right. brightly for a short period of time and then that'll be it. So, um, but, but, you know, Kipchoge's well into his 30s and, um, you know, others have been... Um, you know, you you get better as you as you get older. Um, so, you know, at 24, you would think that there's more ahead, but you know, it's one of the great things about sport. You just mm. never know. He might have run his fastest time, and he might have got slower from there. You've got to be, you know, you've still got to be motivated. You've still got to train. You've still got to dedicate your life to. You know, marathon running is a thing that takes up a heck of a lot of time to train for, and there's not much else that you can do in your life. So. Um, all, all science would suggest that he probably had another you know, decade to go. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's very sad. Yeah, but his appetite for training and the volume, as you say, the Ks that he was doing was certainly um, raising eyebrows right around the, the marathon, the athletics world. It, just come back to Chicago, I think a fortnight beforehand he was sick. He was going to withdraw and, and his coach who, uh, you know, tragically perished with him in this car crash, you know, persuaded him to continue in it. I don't know, Dave, it looked like he could have gone even faster. Like he looked completely unbothered at the end. I, I felt... If someone was there pushing him, you wonder whether he could have broken the mythical two-hour mark. 
Well, I have pacemakers, but at, at that pace, where do you find a pacemaker yeah. <laughs> that can, can go deep into the race? You know, you, you, to get to halfway at that pace, you've got to be one of the world's best distance runners. And to get to 30K, mm. um, there's no one that can, um, can go with him. And, and Kipchoge's the same. And, so the, and the thing about um, that, that staggered everybody, as you said, he finished like he'd just started. You know, there's, there's, there's great stories in international marathons of people catching buses and getting on bikes and catching Ubers from one point in the course to the other and joining back in. That's what he looked like. He looked like he, he hadn't run the full course. Of we course, can rule, uh, we can rule that out, though. We can rule that Correct. out. Though, yeah, yeah. Correct. With him, absolutely. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's one of those, you know, he was so running so swiftly at the end and he's, some of his, his case splits were coming, his best case splits were coming deep into the race. So he wasn't just maintaining his momentum. He was getting faster and, um, the fact that you know they can't be too long until we we see a a, two, a sub two hour marathon in in proper um, race conditions and um, he was the most likely. Now in the world of uh, field and track, as you call it, uh, but just the athletics world more broadly, to go sub two hours in the marathon, I mean, where is that athletics as landing on the moon sort of a moment? I mean, how mythical, how big, how anticipated would it be if a human being was able to do that? Do you think? I think we set these barriers that are they're probably artificial. You know, four-minute mile now yep. is, is still an achievement. And, you know, if, you, if you're a club athlete and you run sub four minutes for the mile, you've, you're a very good athlete. Sub 10 seconds for the 100, sub 11 seconds in the women is still a, is still a thing. Sub 50 seconds for the women's 400 is still, you know, a, a, a big performance. So, um, you know, sub two, two hours is, is the next one. Um, is it? It's probably alongside the the four minute mile for um, athletics achievement and um, sub ten seconds for the hundred. The first time that was done, um, the fact that people can understand not everyone can really understand what it's like to jump eight meters for the long jump, mm. etc. But with, with recreational running being so so popular, people understand what it's like to run you know sub three minutes a kilometer for two hours. Um, you just don't understand it. I'm about to go for a run. I'll break six minutes for a K. I'll be pleased with myself. So, um, yeah. you know, these, the, that puts it into perspective for a lot of people. Now, it's totally unrelatable, and that's what makes it just so bloody amazing. And where do you sit broadly with technology, Dave, as it keeps coming? And this is an issue for all sports. We see it all the time. But in track, in field, I mean, that can't be open season. So it's just always a delicate, you know, crossroads sort of decision for these bodies. Oh, I think that the super shoes have made a huge difference to for events, you know, 800 metres up. They're making a massive difference in the middle distance races, particularly the 1500 um, and the, you know, the, the marathon, clearly. Um, huge benefit for recreational runners who can buy these shoes relatively affordably. You know, the, there's an Adidas pair of shoes that are, um, you know, a one-time only, which I think is ridiculous. Um, they shouldn't be available um, for elite competition. Um, um, so it's like golf clubs. The improvement in technology has made, you know, the game easier for a lot of people. So that's a good thing. But um, it makes historical comparison, um, you know, difficult if not um, not worth having. And, um, you know, we're seeing that in the in the middle distance races where, um, each and every race, all time lists are getting rewritten completely by very, very good athletes 
but the shoes are making a significant uh, um, impact on that, no doubt. We're speaking of the Olympian, Olympian, the dual uh, Commonwealth Games uh, silver medalist and now the preeminent track and field commentator in this country, Dave Colbert. Hey, Dave, just a bit closer to home, the Maury Plant meet tomorrow night here in Melbourne, just down at Lakeside Stadium there. What, what can we look forward to there? I mean, some big names coming out. Yeah, it's Australia's most important event, um, athletics at the meet. It's, um, the, the World Athletics have a, a range of different tiers, Diamond League's at the top, but gold level is um, second on that list. And so this is a gold level meet, which means that world ranking points are elevated, um, which means Olympic qualifying is absolutely possible. Uh, possible. So two ways to get to the Olympics. Do a, um, a, an actual qualifier. You've got to run sub 10 seconds in the 100. That's how hard it is to get a... Um, an Olympic qualifier in many events, or you can qualify by ranking points. So, for instance, Rowan Browning will be running the 100 and 200 um, tomorrow night at Lakeside, you know, to get those ranking points. Um, Tori Lewis, in Adelaide, we saw four teenagers who burst onto the scene. We've known about them, obviously, in athletic circles, but they were so dominant. Tori Lewis in the 100, Mm. Cloudy Hollingsworth and Cam Myers in the in the middle distance races, and a, a young guy, Peyton Craig, in the 800. They were just super. Um, we had Nicola Oleslager as our Olympic silver medalist, Matt Denny in the discus, and a, a range of internationals, including a guy called Sasha Zoya. Now, Sasha was in Western Australia, grew up in, Mel- um, in, in Australia, won the Bay Sheffield Gift. Um, great young athlete, but French background, and um, made the decision to compete for, for France and is one of the faces of the Paris Olympics. He's a 110-metre hurdler. Runs close to 13 seconds, still a young guy, and he's going to be one of the superstars of the sport in um, in probably two or three years' time. Paris might be a bit close for him, but uh, he is one of the internationals, along with uh, Jeff Whiteman, who's the uh, world champion in the 1500 from Oregon in 2022. So there's a, there's a great lineup of international stars, and there should be a great crowd. Good night. So um, if you like your field and track... Um, Good chance to get down there and have a look on Thursday night. Absolutely. There's so many great stories, a lot of those names you just mentioned. Another one, I love the Jen Gregson story as well. In fact, the women's marathon, fascinating. Who's going to get on the plane for Paris there, given, uh, you know, they basically choose their own calendars, don't they, Dave? There's not a one race to sort it out. It's, you know, if they run a faster time, I'm going to have to fit another marathon in before Paris. It's It's a really intriguing tactical sort of game. Yeah, well, that's what's happening because, uh, and they're all, you know, pretty much training together. Lisa Waitman does her own stuff, but yeah. um, Izzy Bats Doyle, Eloise Wellings, um, and Jen have all been up at um, Falls Creek doing a lot of that. Tra- I'm just inspired by what they're capable of doing, all of them. Um, Eloise and Jen in particular, busy mums. Um, you know, Jen coming back from those Achilles surgeries and, the, you know, what happened after her. Um, mm. issues in Tokyo. Um, Izzy Batdoor is just a, a cracker. She runs a great run club in Adelaide. They've got you know, hundreds of people you know, pounding the pavement on a weekend. and uh, So they're having a run, run over the 5,000. For them, they'll just be getting warm at the 4,999 metre mark, so I'll be looking for another um, 35k. But um, no, it's, a, it's great to see them in action and um, I'm really looking forward to what they can do in Paris as well. Now, as I said, uh, you are the voice of, uh, of athletics in this country. You've been a Channel 7 man historically, of course, because that's where the Olympics have been. But they've changed hands, of course. Paris will be brought to us by the, the Nine Network this year. I'm, I'm assuming you're going. Can I, can I ask you without notice? Um, well, I am. So I'm fortunate to have uh, 
been signed up by nine. I did it for nine in, in 2012. So, right, right. And I've done a couple of Winter Olympics for, for Channel um, 10 as well. So, um, yeah, look, I just go with the, with the rights holder, Sammy, as you would. Uh, but when, when, the, when there's a change of... When there's a change of broadcaster, you, also, you always get a little bit anxious. But um, now I'm fortunate that um, Tamsin and I and Steve Hooker um, awesome. are uh, the athletics experts. And I'm also doing a little bit of canoe slalom. So I'm really looking forward, of course, to um, following the exploits of Jess Fox once again. So can't wait for that. And then doing the Paralympics as well, which I've done five or six times before. So really looking forward to doing both of those things in August and September. And again, just one more. You're a cultured man. So just to, again, here in Melbourne, <laughs> I can't not ask you a question about this. So I'm assuming you're a Swifty. Uh, I'm assuming you're getting along to see Tay at the MCG later this week. Sammy, seriously, I have wasted hours of my life in the lounge room, the waiting room of Ticket Tech, and I've come up with nothing. Donuts. Not a ticket. And I'm filthy. You're still welcome I'm at home. So sad, and I can't believe. Well, we were all in the game. I've got two teenage sons, a bit older than teenagers, actually, eighteen and um, twenty-one. We all wanted to go along. In fact, they had to move the Melbourne meet. It was originally scheduled for Saturday night, and then Tay Tay announced their concert, so they had to bring it forward to Thursday, which was solely done so we could go. No tickets. No tickets. Disappointing. I knew you'd be invested in some way, uh, although I never thought you'd be left uh, uh, left at, at the altar. But uh, well, that's one of the things. I don't, I'm not alone. No, not certainly alone. not. It's no, a, it's a uh, egalitarian, Tato. You're either you 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 got lucky or you didn't, and um, I'm unlucky. I might just go and sit in the, in the park. I know it's not being encouraged, but you know I've got my bracelets and everything, and uh, <laughs> I'm just going to be on the outside. Well, Just going to shake it off, Sammy. Indeed, yeah. Well done. Don't be the anti-hero at home either. Hey, um, great to <laughs> great to talk to you on a variety of fronts. Unfortunately, the, the big news over the weekend, of course, was the, the tragic death of uh, Kelvin Kiptum and what might have been. But Maury Plant tomorrow, of course, big year, an Olympic year, Paris as well. Great, glad to hear you going, mate, and good to catch up with you. Good one, Sammy. Thanks for your time. Dave Colbert there, or as he's been known over time here at SENDC, Dave Colbert, of course, joining us uh, on the line. We need to get to a break. Plenty more to come on Waitley next.